This FPL season has definitely been go, go, go. A nonstop hustle all the time. Matches, deadlines, unexpected blank and double game weeks, on top of everything the real world has had in store. Sometimes you need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. For me personally, supporting Fulham during this last year has been a true roller coaster ride. Honestly, when that Adama Traore goal flew past Areola in the 92nd minute of game week 31, the only thing that saved my mental state, the only thing that calmed my nerves, was cracking open a Coors Light. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. That way, you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. And listen, everyone, summer is pretty much here. It's about to get hot in New York. An ice-cold Coors Light is such a perfect way for me to beat that summertime heat. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. cheaters and welcome to the always cheating fantasy premier league podcast my name is tom i'm here with brandon brandon how are you oh my god i am so fantastic tom campbell is here on the always cheating podcast i don't think anyone else in the world calls you the fpl mayor as josh and i have dubbed you so (laughs) but uh to us on always cheating you're the fpl mayor it's tom campbell you can find tom on twitter at utterly tc You've been a longtime friend of the pod, longtime Patreon supporter. Uh, Tom, welcome to the show. Thanks very much for having me, Brandon. I'm really excited to be here. I was really surprised when I got your message asking me to step in, but um, you know, absolutely delighted to hopefully come and come and help you guys out. Yeah, you know, I've been a, a longtime fan, so this is uh, this is great for me. Fantastic. Yeah, Josh is traveling for work, so we needed a, a guest co-host. Tom, you're stepping in. Uh, just so everyone out there knows a little bit more about your background, give us the quick and dirty uh, bio. Where do you live? Uh, yeah. Who's your club? How long you've been playing FPL and so on? Yeah, sure. Okay, so um, accent's probably given it away, but I'm uh, from England. Um, I live in Bristol in the southwest of, of England, um, but I'm a West Ham fan. So I was um, born just outside of London and grew up supporting Supporting West Ham, so it's cost me a few years, I, I guess, a couple of relegations, and <laughs> yeah. always fun though. Um, and fancy Premier League wise, I've been playing like I think it's ten years now, a, a, an awfully long time. I think sort of taking it really, really seriously has been more sort of last six, uh, six or seven seasons, including this one. Um, yeah, it's become a you know big part of my life, as I'm sure it has uh, most uh, most of your listeners listening in today. Um, Oh, for sure. I love it. I can't, I can't get enough of it. I would highly encourage everyone out there to give Tom a follow on Twitter because you're you're kind of known in the FPL community for your match of the day wrap ups. That's right. So, yeah. uh, are you doing the match of the of the day challenge when you do those wrap ups, or have you followed <sighs> the results and then you watch match of the day and on Twitter you post these really uh, <laughs> succinct, eloquent <laughs> summaries of how each team and various FPL players rate. 
Yeah, that's so. Uh, it's it's weird how it came about. So, um, a good friend of mine at work uh, sort of used to whinge to me that he wasn't able to watch match of the day. You know, he's a parent of two small children, and you know, just not just not practical to get the time to watch that. So I was like, oh, you know, I used to spend Monday mornings recounting, uh, you know, what I'd what I'd found uh, from watching this um, from a fantasy perspective because he's he loves his fantasy Premier League. So I was actually like, oh, do you know what? With the demographic that he had, then there's probably heaps of people out there who are in the same boat. So yeah. I started to do it. And like you say, they they are succinct and 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 concise. Um, my style of writing is really verbose. So it's actually a good challenge for me to have to try and keep it, uh, keep it short <laughs> because you're only allowed four pictures um, when you uh, attach photos right. to, a, to a tweet. So to yeah. summarize, typically you know, seven or eight games into, into four pictures is uh, an interesting challenge to try and to try and do that whilst, you know, keeping it FPL related is a, is a good challenge, but yeah, you're right. People seem to really appreciate those. And, uh, you know, right now I don't have any kids, but I, I do appreciate the, the fact that, you know, people want to know this stuff. And that's one of the things that I loved about always cheating is the fact that you and Josh, it was so evident to me listening in that you guys watch, a heap of football um it's, uh-huh. you know you guys get the opportunity to watch more live games i would say than we do in the uk because yeah the, the nbc the three... broadcast here in the states allows us access to all premier league matches that's which it. is that's which it. i know is a luxury it, it it is i guess the the counter here is in the uk we the fans can go to those games and that's what yes. they want to <laughs> yeah, encourage that would, that seems right? better but, to me yeah i, I mean it's, it's just one of those those trade-offs isn't it but the yeah. fact is that you guys were were able to watch this and I, I love that. Like I'm a true stats geek, as I'm sure you'll mm-hmm. know, and, and a majority of my followers will know as well. But there's just no substitute for watching games and, and coming to your own conclusions. Yes. If you can marry that up with kind of stats analysis, then, you know, all the better. But um, I also yeah. liked that within your show, um, I hope you don't mind me saying, but I think you, you keep it on the kind of the, the brass tacks of, yeah. what fancy is it's it's you guys will you and josh will talk about minutes played goals assists clean sheets uh watching yes. games and you won't kind of deviate too much and get too much under the bonnet um because you know that you know whilst that stuff's important it has to actually render some returns for it to mean anything in the fancy game and i thought that was really refreshing as well to have that so you kind of married the oh. two of watching a whole heap of games with the actual elements that score your players points. It was like, these guys uh, are putting something out there that I can really get behind. So, yeah. Well, was, talking was cool. about looking, talking about looking under the bonnet, I am definitely cut from the cloth of open up the hood of that car, look at mm-hmm. the engine. I'm the one that just stands there with his arms <laughs> folded and nods in agreement, not yeah. having any idea what I'm oh, looking man. at. So, definitely. right there with you. If, if I can get my bonnet open, I, uh, that's a job well done, right? <laughs> yeah, okay. So, uh, what we're going to talk about coming up, we're going to recap our game week 29 scores. We have a few rants. Um, I don't know if you saw what Pogba did this week, but we're going to dive a little bit into that. Um, We are going to then uh, steer our focus to, of course, the blanks in game week 31. The next game week coming up is game week 30, but we are uh, game week 30 is uh, sadly just a stepping stone into full on chip mode. So we're going to talk about teams and players that we want to highlight ahead of the blanks in 31 and 33. Then, of course, the lightning round and uh, your questions all sprinkled in. 
quickly before we get started, just a shout out to our friend Kurt Baker. He lives in Norway and he works for this app that many of you may have heard of or use, FootMob, F-O-T-M-O-B. And I got a great message from Kurt pointing out that FootMob, an app that you can get for your iPhone and Android, if you go to any Premier League match in the pitch view, it now displays FPL points for all those players. So FootMob, it offers one of those sort of one-stop shop apps where you can get scores from every league around the world, follow particular players. Uh, I thought uh, I thought it was just a great feature that FootMob had added uh, recently. So check that out if you have an opportunity. All right, Game Week 29, we're recording this podcast, Tom. Um, this is about 8.30 London time after the Merseyside Derby. Uh, bonus points have just come in. Where did you finish on the week? Uh, I had pretty much about as average a week as as I've, I've had in a long time. So I've hit 43 points um, on the game week, um, which, you know, isn't any great shakes, but I'm not too despondent about it because it doesn't feel like there's been a heap of movement and it feels like some people yeah. have had some absolutely rotten luck with yeah, captaincy. Yeah, yeah. I, I, should, I should add that uh, the, it looks like the estimated uh, average overall for points was 41. And if yeah. you're in the top 1K, about 45 points average. So you're right in there. Uh, yeah, the exactly. Average. So it, it feels like a sort of treading water. So I... I I made a horrible transfer, which I really regret now, uh, which I can talk about if if, you, if you'd like me to afterwards. But um, I had Captain Tom, Salah. the floor is yours. Uh, well, I mean, okay, so just briefly. So I had, <laughs> yeah, let's I go. had two. I had two free transfers going into um, into this game week, and it was one of those situations where I didn't have an immediate move that I wanted to make for this game week. But kind of thinking, well, there's blank game weeks upcoming, and do I want to use one of those to kind of prepare for that so Mm -hmm. in the end i decided that i would take the risk and take out a player who's playing in um game week 31 lucas dean and replace him with another one who's playing in in 31 so i was never going to start dean in the merseyside uh, merseyside derby and wasn't intending to start him in um 30 either so i was like okay not not too worried i'll be losing out on any points uh, yeah. And brought in, um, I think it's pronounced Sher uh, or Shah, the Newcastle centre yes. half who scored that. We'll go with um, that, Shah. Somebody, Char, somebody yeah. on the Slack suggested Cher, as in yeah. the legendary uh, Believe singer. That's 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 right. Yeah, I, I, I'm not not entirely sure of the pronunciation, but <laughs> I don't think always cheating is massively fussed on correct pronunciation of. of we names. don't care, you Tom. Know? Now, <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong, but yeah. So I, anyway, <laughs> I, I, I drafted him in. And he returned a zero pointer and is now, he was hooked on 64 minutes. He's now been booked again, which leaves him one yellow card away from a two game Mm. suspension. So my gamble Mm -hmm. has backfired pretty catastrophically there. Um, And moreover, it actually stopped me from potentially, um, if I'd, if I played him, then I would have actually got Robert Snodgrass subbing on with six points. So kind of backfired horrendously, but, in terms yeah. of the actual game week score, it's 43 yeah. points, a you know, clean sheet from Edison, who's quietly been doing me a great job back there. Um, yeah. Van yeah. Dyke, I thought, was imperious today. It was just such a, oh, a strong, man of the match, without a doubt. Just I absolutely agree. outstanding display. Uh, he's so, yeah. so good. Um, Robertson, you know, a few, few returns there. Jimenez is, I presume, in everyone's team. But other than that, yeah, it was a captaincy on, on Mo Salah and... Uh, move on to the next one, I guess. And how, how about you? How did how did you fare? Uh, I fared decently. Um, I ended up burning four points, and mm-hmm. I did a double Chelsea move. 
Mm-hmm. I dropped. Let's see. I finally got rid of Leroy Sané, who has uh, just been a curse on my team for the last five weeks. Gone for Hazard, and Higuain <laughs> came in for Aguero. Mm-hmm. I was shocked to see that Aguero got the start. Um, on the weekend against Bournemouth, and I was really fearful that he was going to punish me. So I did get away with murder there, and and not only starting, but but playing the full ninety as well. I I know, you yeah. Know, it's, so it's hard it's hard to know what that means for next weekend game week thirty. But I think uh, if you still have Aguero, maybe you try to hold him a little bit longer and and move him out ahead of game week thirty one. He's he's heavily favored though to see Jesus back on the pitch you know it, it just makes it a little more complicated but it's, trading it's, uh Sané yeah. who sorry go I, ahead, I was Tom. just going to say trading or selling Aguero before that home game to Watford is going to be really difficult to do yeah I think anyone is you can apply any kind of logic that you like but that's going to take some uh some bravery I guess to to pull the trigger on that move I don't think I'll be I'll be looking at doing that personally yeah, I mean, Jimenez, I, I was going to mention when you brought up Jimenez, uh, it, perish the thought if anything happens to Raul and he, and he ascends <laughs> to heaven, he will have to duke it out with Sorloth to be a lord. <laughs> the lord, um, because yeah. He's, <laughs> he's just been having an, a sensational FPL season. And, uh, uh, you know, the water water is wet award is going to Raul yet again. I put the armband on Pogba, uh, which uh, segues us nicely into the rants of the week and you know it's my rant Pogba um he decimated a lot of people's uh souls uh when he it looked like it was just gonna be a run-of-the-mill blank captaincy Pogba on two points um but it wasn't gonna be that uh big of a mess given that Raheem Sterling the biggest uh most popular captain was also blanking though on three points. Then Pogba steps up to take this penalty at the very end of the match. And I remember Andy, let's talk FPL tweets, this could be huge. And of course, Andy meant this could be huge and that anyone who armbanded Pogba is going to skyrocket and rank. It turned out to be huge, but (laughs) in the complete opposite way. I mean, a couple minutes after he misses that pen, he gets a yellow card. So instead of it's it's effectively, I think, a net loss if you're captaining Pogba of 12 points. But let me put a positive spin on this. I'll I'll be interested to get your take, Tom, is um, it's not as if you the, the you know, those game weeks in which Aguero or Sala hat tricks and you haven't captained him. Or you don't even have that player in your team. And then there is a swing of upwards of 20 points. Mm -hmm. Um, You only ended up with minus two on Pogba, whereas all of the other big captainers probably on six. So it could be only as much as an eight point swing. I think it could have been a lot worse. Um, and yeah, I, I hope that a lot of people can just take it as a bad beat and move on. Did, did you, who did you captain this week? Yeah, I, I, I definitely concur with that. It's so much easier to swallow when it's a, you know, you have a bad captaincy choice or not even a bad choice, but it doesn't work out for you when the other highly captain players don't return significantly. It just, it just makes it so much easier to, to bear because the, ultimately your rank's not being impacted um, as significantly significantly as it could have been. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I captained Mo Salah this week, so that's six points in total. Sterling was yeah. likewise. Um, you know, Pogba, yes, it's a negative score, but really, I mean, if if Sterling goes for a brace and and Salah does two, and and Pogba just gets that one, probably the net difference is 
is going to be comparable, right? So I, it's, yeah. it's easy to be uh, philosophical or easier to be philosophical about <laughs> it. I think when um, when the you know the heavily captain players don't um, don't return well. Um, yeah. That said, we're on game week twenty nine now, and I think the FPL folks who are taking the game really seriously. I think a lot of them are just like, this is another gut punch in a season of gut yeah. punches. And it's probably just that cumulative effect of, God, you know, how much more of this is going to happen before yeah. uh, either the yeah. season just peters out or I finally get a change of a change of luck. And I think it's probably more that that people are, are struggling with. And I, I completely sympathize because it, it's pretty horrible when it continually goes against you. Yeah, I feel like you've been seeing more and more why I'm leaving FPL yeah. messages this season. And then this week, and, and that Pogba thing was kind of the cherry on top. Mm-hmm. And it's an interesting segue into talking about dead teams. On our Slack channel, Juan raised an interesting issue. He says, regarding FPL engagement, according to at FPL statistics, 49.1% of all FPL teams are, quote, inactive. They have not made transfers in five or more game weeks question to you tom do you think the game needs to change in order to improve engagement levels and juan also brings up the world cup game that had different rules and more flexibility and ways to actually alter your team in the midst of a quote game week so yeah we're, we're mostly the the 50 that's still active according mm-hmm. to these rules of five of uh, transfers in the last five game weeks uh we're still present uh do you think there's an issue with engagement with FPL? Yeah. So I, I don't personally. I think uh, that percentage looks pretty damning, but I have a feeling that that's going to have been pretty consistent year on year. And actually, if you look at the total number of teams, I think I think right now it's like 6.2 million. So you're talking about 3.1 million or, or over that teams that are engaged. And actually, I think if you if you were to reflect that season on season, that's actually... Uh, you know an upward trend in engagement yeah. like yeah i am i do i do expect the the percentage will probably remain relatively similar year on year but i think any attempt to, that they make to bring engagement in will actually be to the detriment of people who take the game seriously which is yeah. like the folks listening to this show because it's going to be things like enabling people to reset their teams or to to make wholesale changes on a more frequent or regular basis which is uh, kind of exactly essentially bringing we're... var to fpl time oh god don't i mean <laughs> this this whole weekend has kind of made i've watched a, a lot of games as you can imagine and i've just sort of thought mm-hmm. next this flash you know fast forward to next season when var is is in and how different this whole uh, this whole conversation would have been with yeah. all of these decisions yeah. um yeah. we probably wouldn't have even been able to podcast right now because we'd still the var decisions would probably still be <laughs> ongoing but i yes, mean it's, exactly. it's, it's going to be maybe going to parliament right now yeah that's it yeah but um for me to go back to juan's question i think it, it, you look at that stat and you're like oh my god half of the teams are are dead teams in effect but I actually think that that's always going to be the case. I always think you're going to see that that um, that amount of people I think will typically have down tools by this stage of the season. Yeah, if yeah. you actually look at the number of people playing it, it's going up, and that and that's cool. Yeah, and that's what I wanted to touch upon too is the number of people in the game or the num- number of teams that the FPL site quantifies six point two million. Mm-hmm. 
thinking about the global audience of the Premier League and the mm-hmm. access, the free access to this fantasy game, it is staggering that only 6.2 million teams have been logged in this game. So yeah. for me, I think it's less an issue of engagement with the game that the Premier League has. It's more an issue of we just need more fans playing the Exposure. game. And I think that yeah. that will come. And the more that the uh, the fantasy game is exposed and becomes popular, the more people will play. And then... Yeah. As as just even even as you're saying that fifty percent inactive teams may remain the same, we'll still have many many more yeah. active teams. So so speaking of you know fans and being engaged, I'm a loyal patron <laughs> yes. of of your of of yours and Josh's, and would encourage anyone listening to to do that. But have you guys had any signups this week? Any any new people joined the joined the fun? Tom, your your segue game is on point tonight. I love. <laughs> we this. won't tell the listeners yeah. how many takes that took, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We we have some new signups on our Patreon supporters page. So a big thank you to our new supporters: Jimmy Norlin, Isaac Enskog, Ben Crudgington, Sean Laurie, Alex Turton, Thomas Evans, Oscar Gavert, and <laughs> Aftab Muhammad. Thanks, guys. Uh, And sorry for butchering any names there. Of course, our Patreon page, visit patreon.com slash always cheating to learn more about what that actually is, what that means. But basically, it's just a way to support what Josh and I do and now what Tom does full time uh, or say say thank you. And we try to give you some good stuff in return. One of the things that our supporters receive is an exclusive podcast stream where you get a bonus podcast each week, including our Q. Q&A kitchen table sessions. You get access to our private Slack discussion forum, other cool swag like t-shirts and whatnot. So Tom, you, uh, you've been a loyal Patreon supporter since like right around the time we first launched the page. So I'm going to tack your name onto this list after Abtab Muhammad and say, thank you, Tom Campbell for your support. No worries. I I, I just think the, uh, it's it's a cool community. Like I do use the Slack channel, uh, probably not as frequently as some of your other patrons as well but i really would encourage people to um to to get amongst it if they can um and i love the new kitchen table sessions podcast that you guys are doing uh, each week that's a it's cool because a lot of this information becomes so quickly outdated doesn't it with the yeah. nature of mm-hmm. a week-on-week game it, it just gives you guys the opportunity to uh sort of take stock after a few days of new information so yeah come come and join in guys Fantastic. Thanks, Tom. All right. uh, No Super League update this week. Uh, The game is still updating, but of course, it's never too late to join the greatest FPL mini league on the planet. Just go to alwayscheating.com and click the league tab. And uh, one last shout out to Stephen Toomey, who won our Patreon supporters Survivor League. I wanted to give him a shout out closer to the top of this week's pod. And also Brian Moss, who was the runner up. Those two guys took it the distance with our Survivor League. So Congrats, Stephen. All right, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and talk a little bit about planning for game weeks 31 and 32, the blanks. What's our strategy? Which players are we targeting? And we'll take it from there. All right, we're back. And uh, Tom and I are here to talk about game week 31, game week 32 planning. Uh, I am part of the, the mass outfit of people strategizing for Piling up on players who will play in game weeks 31 and 33 with all the blanks. I'm going to free hit in 32 and uh, just just hope that I have a decent team that fields again in 33 and then wild card in 34. So um, we're going to try and make this chat 
um, interesting for people who are playing that strategy, maybe a slightly different chip strategy. If you don't have your chips, it's still important to understand, I think, what how we think about these teams that are playing in game weeks 31 and 33. I mean, mainly Liverpool and Chelsea. I, I think I'm really feeling Newcastle right now. So we'll <laughs> talk a little bit about, more about Newcastle. So um, in terms of strategy, how many players do you think you're going to get out for 31, Tom? And on top of what your team's going to look like for 31, what type of trip chip strategy are you focusing on? Yeah, so it sounds like you and I are going to be looking to use the same strategy, Brandon. So my plan uh, has been for a while to pre-hit in uh, double game week 32 um, after kind of doing my best to stockpile players for um, 31 and hopefully have enough in th- of those players of that contingent of players to carry over and, and be part of the game week 33 squad before I then reset the, reset the deck in uh, game week 34 with my wild card and yeah. then with a view to bench boosting in 35. So it feels like that's Mike, a fairly typical strategy. It's definitely not the only yeah. one. I wouldn't say you need to yeah. get wedded well, to let that me, at Let all. me just jump in, Tom. Mm-hmm. Let me just jump in and explain why we think that that is a great strategy. Mm-hmm. And I think generally we like this strategy because the double game weeks, 32 and 35, traditionally in FPL, the double game weeks have the biggest upside, the mm-hmm. highest ceiling, the best opportunity for you to improve your overall rank. So this strategy of a free hit in 32, which means you get to have a bespoke squad just for that week and wild carding ahead of game week 35 and 34, again, kind of tailoring a squad for the double and 35. That's the idea. Yeah. And I am, I'm of the belief that these blanks in 31 and 33, we kind of, we, we want to try and play them as best we can, but there's just. I believe going to be a lower point ceiling. And I don't think we want to screw up our team just, just for these games. Totally agree. I I actually had an an analogy for this, right? So I, I I love an analogy when it comes to anything really, but fantasy football, I think it relates. It works quite well as well. So I think of the wild card as being comparable with moving house, right? You're just, you're just done. You're going to completely change your location. You're going to change the type of house, furniture, where you live, everything, right? New, new friends, new job, the whole, the whole, the whole lot. Like the world is your oyster. You could decide every, you can change every part of that completely. Right. Okay. It doesn't need to bear any resemblance to it. Right. The free hit I think is more comparable to going on holiday vacation, right? You can still, (laughs) you can still choose to go anywhere that you like. You can forget about work and all your troubles uh, and you can go to the Seychelles for two weeks or one game week. Um, but you know what? You need to be mindful of the fact that you're going to be returning to that house, <laughs> you know? Uh-huh. So just make sure you haven't yeah. left it in too much disarray when you come back. You and have that's... put the most positive spin <laughs> I can imagine on this discussion. We are not talking about blanks and doubles. We are planning a vacation. Exactly. This is tremendous. And, and you would want a vacation when, you know, that you can go to the Seychelles or St. Lucia, right? In, in the blank game yeah. weeks. It's like yeah. you've got such a small part. It's like... I don't know, Skegness or so. It's not quite as as uh, <laughs> as appealing. So maybe I've yeah. taken the analogy a little bit too far. But for me, you're, you're, beca- was... you're becoming a travel agent as we <laughs> speak. Then. Yeah, I just sort of think that the 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 double game weeks it just offers that super high ceiling, and 
yeah. um, with you being able to set that up, especially after what will be an international uh, set of games where there's going to be heaps of information over that period about who's fit, who's not and stuff. You're going to have that the ability to tailor that squad right up until the, the moment before the gaming to make it as powerful as you can for what promises to be, uh, you know, a, a high ceiling. So that that's why I'm doing it personally. Terrific. In terms of All the, right. So let's talk about, uh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, you asked about how many I'm going to players I'm going to get out. I mean, if, if I wasn't able to make any transfers from now until 31, best case is I would have eight players playing. I've got eight okay. playing players in my squad um, who, who have games in uh, 31. But that's a little misleading because it's got things like like Charles, like I mentioned, is one yellow yeah. from suspension. I've also got DeAndre Yedlin, who I feel really like shafted by. He's been dropped after yes. nine True consecutive ba- a, a starts. Switch, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I played 90 yeah. in... in in all but one of them i think and then 14 mm-hmm. games before that before that run and now he's but you know they were so poor against west ham um in their last game that maybe Mankio now gets dropped and he comes back in so certainly can't transfer him out now so you know yeah, it's yeah, best yeah. case of eight but rob snodgrass is one of them as well and he's kind of in and out of the squad he seems to play well when he's selected yeah. and he's got great dead ball delivery he's got uh, an assist in each of his last two starts um, but mm-hmm. was benched and didn't come on in the intervening fixture. So he's another problem. So, you know, if I made no transfers, it would be eight. Um, I do have, in effect, three transfers to make before 31 because yeah. I've got two frees now. So, you know, if I didn't transfer any of them out, then it would be a best case of 11. But I think it's reasonable to say that I'll field a, a shortened squad in terms of number of people. Um, but it's going to be a decent enough number, I feel like, um, to, to cover yeah. that selection of fixtures. How about how about you? Yeah, I'm in the same position here. Right now I have nine players, but I you know, I have a few flags. Mm-hmm. Uh Belbuena, he's not fit right now. Phil Billing, looks like he's <laughs> gotten his spot back after coming back from injury, but you know, he's a Huddersfield midfielder. I'm not <laughs> expecting anything from that. So it's not going to be a powerhouse starting nine for me if it in fact is nine. But with two free transfers uh, for me between now and game week 31, I'm hopeful that I, I have at least a strong yeah. nine that I can roll out. And I'll feel pretty, pretty good about that. Definitely. And so let's let's talk about some of these possible vacation destinations we can <laughs> go to. Uh, who are we targeting? A couple questions from the community. Gibran Chata asks, who are some non-Chelsea Liverpool midfielders to target for game week 31 and 33? And Milan Dubrichik asks your ideal realistic team for blank 31. So we're just going to go down the list of teams that do play in 31 and 33. And we can just give our brief thoughts on the star players there, the team form generally first Chelsea, Chelsea really came to the fore this week. Mm. People are buying into the hype around Gonzalo Higuain, Hazard, um, people have, short-term memories, I guess, and they've forgotten of, of all the abuse that Hazard gave us at the midpoint of the season. But he's he's looking like um, a really decent premium midfielder, Chelsea play Everton away in 31, and then they are home West Ham in game week 33. Football Fever asks, which Chelsea players should we plan to get for the blank game weeks? I'm torn between Hazard and David Luiz versus Higuain and Aspilicueta. Did you watch the the West London derby today? Fulham, Chelsea. What did you make of the squad? It's. I didn't catch all of the game, but um, f- from what I saw, I mean, it, it, you weren't expecting much of a new manager bounce with with Scotty Parker coming. Scotty Parker's yeah, a bit of a yeah. hero of mine, being a, a West Ham fan. He 
kept us in the league successfully once and yeah it was just a bit right, you know right. he he did end up going yeah. to spurs but we won't dwell on that but i mean there, there was a there was a an improved level of performance there he can't eradicate defensive mistakes from that yeah. squad mm-hmm. uh he's not you know not a miracle worker but i did like how how chelsea played especially down the right hand side i seem to notice that um aspilicueta who's um you know, as bad as reliable an FPL defensive pick as we've had in the yeah, last few seasons. Yeah. Um, he's, I've had a look, he's actually getting 6.5 um, points over his last four game weeks in terms of points. And that's including a minus one return in when they got hammered by uh, Man City 6-0. Six, six so, you know, 12 clean sheets on the season so far, uh, five assists and three in the past four game weeks. I really like him as a pick, but I also like how yeah. he... Um, is is interacting with Willian or Pedro because Pedro played the last game down the right hand side and how those two guys seem to have a bit of an understanding now with Higuain yeah. who's a player I've always admired I think I was so excited when he came to the league I'm not mm-hmm. totally convinced he's in the best shape that he's ever been in in his career but he, he, he has a dad bod yeah, for he sure does. he has a yeah. he has a dad head as well he does but his <laughs> movement around the box um in terms of just to create space for mm-hmm. uh, to, for getting shots at goal is I wasn't I was going to say on parallel it's probably, it's probably not true but it is impressive mm-hmm. and he had one shot that was really well saved by Sergio Rico which is probably the first time that's been said on this podcast but, <laughs> yes it is and then it is. another one that went over yeah. the bar so I I really like the relationship between Aspi and his midfield um, contingent and how those guys are interacting with Higuain I mean what do you think about Hazard as well, Brandon. Is, is, you, I mean, you've brought him in now. I think for me, he's yeah. an exposure point for me. Like I would feel r- really at risk if I didn't own him going into 31. And that's just yeah. the nature of Eden Hazard, right? He's, he's this enigma. I, I experienced quite a, a tumble in overall rank in January, largely thanks to riding Hazard through five straight blanks when everyone else was getting points from Ster- Sterling and Sané. I have a very I, I have ill will toward Hazard, but it kind of speaks to the um, well. I don't know if it's so much opportunity with Hazard more than it is there are no other options. Mm-hmm. I I'm gambling on not going for Sterling. Um, like Josh, he trans, he also burned four this week, and he brought in Higuain and he brought in Sterling for the hope of some short-term gains. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a good move, but I decided to risk it and just go for, for Hazard and play the blank game weeks. Yeah. I don't think that he's going to um, bury everyone in the blanks, but I do think that uh, he is, he, despite uh, all the anxiety around him, he's a great option for Definitely. those blanks. And we need to remember yeah. as well that the game in 30 Wolves at home is actually a pretty enticing fixture as well with with oh, Wolves. Yes. Yeah. I mean, they they played quite well in the league game that's just gone in game week 29. But uh, before that, there just seems to be a, a focus, in my view, understandably, to prioritize the cup a little bit. So mm-hmm. I think that's actually a really nice fixture for the Chelsea guys as well in, in 30. So, no, I like the move. Yeah. And in terms of 31, I think you're going to want at least one of those two premium assets in your squad yep. um either yep. Higuain and, and uh, Hazard and I think if I was free hitting in that week I mean I actually did mock up what my squad would look like if I was doing that and both of them were were, were there so I think that probably speaks volumes that you know they they are two key p- 
key players to focus on as we go into this blank game week period, especially as they've got that that 33 fixture that you mentioned as well. Yeah, for me, this this Chelsea squad for the uh, game weeks upcoming is a no half measures squad in that I'm not interested in gambling on the likes of Pedro or William. No. I think it's Hazard, Higuain, both of them or either of them. Uh, or no one else maybe a defender and this will actually lead us into some liverpool talk because i mean i i think of all of the defenses chelsea does look relatively appealing i think david louise he was rested against fulham and i do think that it was just a rest it wasn't some sort of um there isn't anything else going on between him and Sarah is is, is my best guess so mm-hmm. that he'll be back and ready for that home wolves match in game week 30 He's very affordable um, in terms of the rest of the players in that back line. If you stack him up next to the likes of Alonso and Aspilicueta, that makes David Luiz more appealing. But yeah. if if I think about the remaining transfers that I have, the free ones, just two, and then I look at my back line, I have Lascelles, I have uh, I'm doubled up on Liverpool. I don't know that I even need or have room for a Chelsea defender. So I, I just don't know how high a priority it is, and I'm I'm prioritizing Chelsea's attack more yeah. than their defense. Yeah, I totally concur with that assessment. I think if again, if you were free hitting, you could maybe make more of a case for a Chelsea defender being part of your starting eleven. But when if you're doing the strategy that we're advocating for, then and using just the free transfers, you're absolutely right because it's a given that players managers are going to have three. Liverpool players going into their game against Fulham in 31 mm-hmm. you and I have both doubled up on Liverpool defenders already who mm-hmm. will uh, you know hopefully start start that game so there's no way that you'd transfer either of them out in place of a, a Chelsea defender and we've just sort of said about Newcastle also having um, a good defensive recent defensive record and uh, West Ham play Huddersfield. So <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a hard one to justify spending yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah. the, the type of money that you have to um, outlay to get a Chelsea defender into your team, unless you're using your free hit chip. Okay, so Liverpool, Jeff Petter asks, uh, for game week 31, if you have Rabo and Salah, and we're going to put a pin in that, we're going to come back to Salah, mm-hmm. uh, is a defensive double up, either Trent or VVD pairing with Robertson, a better option or an attacking double up with Mane and Salah? This one seems pretty uh, easy to answer. Uh, I'm interested if you agree, Tom. I believe that you will. Mm-hmm. The way the Liverpool attack has been looking in recent weeks, nay, like recent months, it's pretty limp. And they are not putting two, three, four goals, save that match against Watford, in which all of the, the all of the defenders, which even further proves the point that I'm going to try to make here, mm-hmm. all the points were coming from the defenders. I I just don't think it's it's a sure enough bet to double up on the attack with Salah and Mane. All of the um, consistent points, and it's, this has been the case all season, Robertson, VVD, Trent, uh, those are the guys that you want to focus. I'm all in on a double up. And even Stephen Toomey on our Slack mentioned, why not a triple up on Liverpool defenders? if Salah is not really doing the business or even Mane is doing the business. So um, before I get your thoughts on Mm -hmm. double up, triple up on the Liverpool defense, it plays into this Salah question, 13.5 million for this wildly premium midfielder who just had another blank against Everton. And 
he resembled how I look when I play FIFA online pros, <laughs> where I am trying to size up a shot from, you know, the D at the top of the box every time I get the ball. I will I will blow by one, two defenders, and I will always get tackled right before I get my shot off in FIFA. And that's basically the world in which Salah is right now. He is the FIFA player always getting tackled before he's able to get the shot off. So Delhi for Heisman asks, uh, Salah, enough said. What do you think? So I, it's not happening for him right now, okay? I mean, he had a tough game today against Everton, their local rivals. But you know what? He could have easily have scored a hat-trick in that game. It was one of those games where his touch was just a little bit heavy. Um, he had one curling shot in the first half that it, if you, you know, he starts it a yard and a half further wide yeah. of Pickford, then that goes in the top corner. He's mm-hmm. not invisible in these games. His touch isn't great right now. I can't imagine his confidence is sky high, but he is still an integral part of that attack. And in terms of Stephen's question about maybe troubling up at, at the back, I do quite like the creativity of that. But I think you're removing a strongly captained asset within 31 as well. So I'd be sort of hesitant to advocate for doing that. I also sort of think we need to bear in mind that game weeks 16 through 23, this is the guy who scored 21, 2, 12, 12, 12, 2, 11, and 15. It's just remarkable return returns of really heavy scoring points and for you to or for us to collectively forget about this guy when they're going for the league <laughs> i think is folly yeah. you know they play yeah. burnley at home in their next game after a week's rest so going into game week 30 you're already going to be starting to think he's another captaincy option they'll look to bounce back burnley have not been defending super well in their last two game weeks they've then got fulham then the home game against spurs tough one and then away in southampton so if you're talking about removing Mo Salah at a time when you know that he's going to play over this double blank period, I think that's an incredible risk to take. And it's not, not something that I'd be doing in terms of the defensive question you mentioned, Brandon, I definitely agree. I thought Van Dyke was imperious today. It was one of the best center back performances I can remember watching live. Uh, That's no exaggeration. Look up imperious in the dictionary, Google it. There (laughs) will be numerous pictures of Virgil van Dijk. It is the, it's the perfect word to describe him. Isn't it though? He was, he was magnificent today. And Carragher said in the post-match comments, he said, and you know, he's about as staunch a Liverpool fan as there is. He said Mm -hmm. in his, in his opinion, Liverpool lose that game if van Dijk wasn't playing. Um, And for him to say that would have been, uh, you know, a a tough thing for, for, for him to sort of, admit to um but that's how good yeah, he was yeah, yeah. robertson's uh, been super consistent all season love that guy and trent alexander arnold now that he's back at fit is is similarly effective he pulled in all the bonus points it's yeah you know you've got his you've pace got looked really impressive to me yeah, against everton most notably it was it was all of his crosses against watford but his pace uh, today yeah. was remarkable He's in he's in a rich vein of form. He had the little period where he was he was out for a while. It's probably done him some good to recoup and you know, take your pick from from two of those three, I'd say, um, and you're gonna be you're gonna be yeah. well set for, yeah. the, for the upcoming period. I think we've been having the same conversation about Salah all season and and you know, we have to mention it, I think, once a month. One of the golden rules of FPL is patience. And um, I agree. I think the fixtures are too good. And mm-hmm. additionally, I just don't know what I need 
I don't know how this is going to sound, so correct me if I sound like a complete jerk, Tom, but <laughs> I just don't know what I need all this money for if I cash in Sala um, because a lot of the options that we're sizing up for these blank game weeks are relatively affordable. It's not like I'm trying to clear out the bank so I can yeah. bring in a handful of Manchester City That's players right. right this moment. Yeah, um, I think as well, if your overall rank is is you know, decent, you're defending as well. You do need to be mindful of his ownership and the fact, like we say, yes, he will be super right. heavily captained. I mean, it's a relatively dull discussion that, but it is something you want to at least acknowledge um, when you're going into prospectively, you know, selling these type of players that that actually that could that could harm you in in that respect as well. So, I, you know. I don't want to uh, sort of forget that Salah did not have a good game today in terms of his actual output. There were two great chances, which you'd back normally he would convert. Um, mm-hmm. But it's not like he's invisible. You know, he's still yep. getting these chances. Dean uh, Lucas Dean gave him a 40-yard sort of space today, which is uh, normally is a recipe <laughs> for desert. Another time you'd be, yeah. we'd be mocking him for that. But the fact is yes. he didn't convert today. He easily could have done I'm still yep. in the hold Salah camp. All right. So you mentioned Scotty Parker, a new appointment at Fulham. I believe that that's basically the club putting Fulham into hospice care as they prepare for their, <laughs> their championship campaign next season. The other big managerial appointment was at Leicester City. Brendan Rodgers is back in yeah. the Premier League. Uh, what a lovely character, a weird, <laughs> lovely uh, character. So now Leicester City, for me, it's, it's kind of hilarious how this question – or, or the idea of Lester ahead of these blanks is completely turned on his head. Instead of all the talk being about Lester defenders like Maguire or Pereira, uh, I am now only focused on Lester's attacking assets. It's a little yeah. bit like what I was saying about Chelsea. Rogers is, of course, known for his high-flying Liverpool days, what he did at uh, Swansea, that free-flowing pass-and-move football Suddenly, Madison and Vardy, assuming that he doesn't have a severe concussion after that match today, these are now the guys that I'm way more interested in than their defenders. So Dave from Burnley, he chimes in and he asked, Leicester defender, yes or no? They're using wingbacks now, now that Rodgers is appointed. Um, Is it a go or no-go Leicester defense, Tom? Um, So I I think... The difficulty that we've got is if, if you just look at, I mentioned at the beginning of this show that you guys have always talked about the, the key aspects of fantasy league in terms of what render you points, right? Clean sheets is one of those metrics, right? If you just look at that, Leicester are seven in 29, right? It's terrible. It's just, if you're looking at just at the defensive <laughs> yeah. output, it's just not good enough. That said, yes. Dave, who's a very good manager himself, he'll be aware that and makes reference to the fact that they do deploy their fullbacks, Pereira and Chilwell really high mm-hmm. up the pitch. So Pereira's five, mm-hmm. four and Chilwell's a little cheaper at 5.0. I think they're nicely priced, but I think you kind of need to um, accept that this Leicester defense for whatever reason does have mistakes in it. And it is conceding goals. I actually like the composition quite a lot of Schmeichel, um, Evans, Chilwell, Pereira, um, uh, Morgan, the problem is no. you put Wes Morgan in the Wes middle Morgan there. Is, is, <laughs> is, yeah, his his retirement parade's gone on too long, hasn't it? Yes. You know? um, so for whatever reason, they're still conceding too many goals. Like if, and that for me is the metric you should look at with a clean sheet with the defenders rather. But having said that, Pereira and Joel do both play high up the pitch. So I like both of them. They're just a little bit awkwardly priced. Five point yeah, four, yeah, like yeah. We, like you just made. A, how can you shoehorn 
that into your defence when you're already talking about doubling up with with Leicester and then using one of the cheaper options that you've got elsewhere with yeah with Newcastle or or um, West Ham for example for for 31. So with Leicester playing Fulham in 30, um, I would be more more excited about bringing in, like you say, Vardy if he's past fit after his nasty uh, bang on the head in the in the game that's just gone today. Or yeah. Harvey Barnes. But the only thing is with Harvey Barnes, he's priced um, 5.5. Is We're mm-hmm. still not totally sure what um, Rogers thinks of his team in terms of who yeah. he wants to start ongoing. We've only got a sample of one. And he was subbed just after an hour today. So you know, you'd be a little bit wary, especially as with a blank game week, what you're really focusing on is trying to identify the players who you're most confident will start. Yeah. It's a good point. Yeah, the the chief goal is to is to target a player who will play, and That's and because if they don't, then you, you've kind of missed the boat. It's That's true. It. Yeah, uh, it, it's funny. The talking about the the wingers on Leicester, I have moved into this conservative consolidation. And the last defender I brought in was Virgil Van Dyke, and before that, I brought in Lascelles. So I'm. Yeah. I am, even though I have gotten two goals from VVD since I brought him in, the idea wasn't I was going to get attacking returns. I was just hopeful to get those starts. But yeah. I completely agree. If you're looking at, maybe I even prioritize Leicester defense over Chelsea defense, just given the incredible fixture run that Leicester has through the rest of the they season. Do. So if yeah. it is, maybe you're on wild card, maybe you're, you're um, doing a free hit in an odd week. I think Leicester defense still, despite what we've, said is is worth a look but we're it, yeah we're in a what so you you mentioned harvey barnes there but mm. no james madison james madison is not your cup of tea he he definitely is i like it's kind of in the same same breath so madison at least played 90 today he's, he's a lot uh, priced a lot higher i think he's 6.6 million i think that's right i'm not not totally sure about that so you know if you've got the the change to do that then he's going to be a more secure uh option i'd say based again on on one sample and kind of player profile as well like madison's been assigned for big well relatively big money in the in the closed season and it's had a good season i think i think there's still doubts aren't there in terms of whether or not he's uh, another tadich i think i've heard that comparison mentioned a few times but um that might be a little harsh so far we'll we'll see but <laughs> and, and one of these questions yeah. i know uh, you mentioned brandon was about yeah um midfield options for this blank game week right. 31 and and mm-hmm. and and the 30 that leads into it as well so one of josh's favorite players um that i remember he he mentioned on your guys um preview of the season is david brooks so yeah. he's been out injured for a little while i've actually it's held pronounced him. david okay yeah uh, so david <laughs> um he is now back um i think he's come back a little bit quicker than eddie howe would have wanted um yeah because I think he's had to, he's basically had to bring him back into the team to arrest what's been a pretty alarming run of form. I think Bournemouth are now second bottom in the form table over the last six. Um, mm-hmm. But that said, they've had some tough games. Um, and he has now, he started the last game, played 74 minutes in that narrow loss to uh, Man City, priced at just five mil, 5.0 million. He's, he does have two double digit returns on the season and he averages over five points per 90, which I was quite surprised about, but that's actually higher than I would have guessed. Um, and at mm-hmm. that price with Bournemouth's run from 30 onwards, he'd be a player I'd really would be looking to, um, get in as a make weight for your, for your plans for the rest of the season, kind of irrespective of what 
chip strategy you're deploying. I don't think right. they need to be uh, attached to the strategy you and I are deploying. Bournemouth's fixtures from game week um, 30 onwards are away at Huddersfield, which is a, a great fixture. They're kind of incipient hopes that they are going to have the great revival have died a death already, I think. Um, they've then got Newcastle at home, Leicester away, Burnley at home, and then Brighton away. So it's a great run. He's back in the team. Hopefully Callum Wilson will join him as well. Um, so I really like that as an option. And the other was, uh, I think a player, I think you like him more than Josh from memory, Brandon, but mm-hmm. correct me if I'm wrong, is uh, Manuel Lanzini. So, oh, uh, yeah. What, I, yeah. Huge fan. Yep. Yeah, cool. So, I mean, as a West Ham fan, I'm so excited to see him back in the team. I couldn't believe he actually played the 90 minutes um, in the mm-hmm. win against Newcastle. He, I thought he'd be hooked after an hour or so for sure, but he played 90. He didn't actually return any fancy points um, in that game. But the fact he's fit enough to play 90 is really encouraging for um, West Ham's upcoming run of games as well. And we've yeah. got Cardiff in our next... Uh, West Ham have got Cardiff, not we. I've yet to sign for them, but uh, Cardiff away in the next game. And then uh, Huddersfield at home in, in uh, blank game week 31. So... Those are two cheaper options. Lanzini, 6.4 million. Brooks, 5.0 million. I'd be really sort of directing the listeners to take a look at, at those two options for the game week. Do you share that enthusiasm for Lanzini? Or do you think it's a bit premature with all the other uh, I, midfield I, I, options? No, I, I, I do. And I think he's looked bright since coming back. And it, it leads to another question that is more... Um, Immediate for a lot of FPL managers. FPL Strong brings this up. Felipe Anderson stinks. Uh, that is one man's opinion. <laughs> um, uh, he he certainly has not posted any FPL returns in some time. And it seems like Lanzini coming back and the way they've played recently is Anderson is really stuck to the uh, to the to the touchline there, and he's yeah. not getting in and, and becoming active as active in the attack as he had been earlier in the season. He's regressed, hasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, so this, I think this is what I want to ask you is you're in this really tough situation ahead of the blanks where every transfer counts. You have a player like Felipe Anderson, where the eye test tells you he's wildly out of FPL form. I I don't think that he is in bad form, you know, in reality. Uh, I think he, he, he's still looking like one of their brighter players. But yeah. do you think it's worth, if you if you have Felipe Anderson now, do you think it's worth exploring a, another option, even though he does play in the blanks? I think it's probably, the cop-out answer will be that it's team-specific and you'd need to see the extent to which you could justify making that kind of luxury transfer. My gut says that that's not a transfer I'd be looking to do. Um, yeah. I think I think... We know Felipe Anderson is a talented player. Like he has flattered to deceive in the last couple of games for sure. And his heat map in the last game was um, was really disappointing if you were an owner because it was, like you say, he was, you know, the the old adage of of having you no know, paint on his boots sort of thing. He was right on the on the wing, but also back from the halfway line as well. It was kind of a wing back type heat map that you'd expect. Um, that said, I think I'd probably still hold. I think the fact that, like I just mentioned, the next two games, you'd still be you'd still be hopeful, maybe not expectant any longer, but still hopeful that he could return. Um, and I, I don't think I'd be looking to to shift him out for another thirty-one player. I think they'll probably probably be more likely to be some other area in your team that would be uh, better focused on. Is my gut feeling? What, what do you think? 
Well, what I want to talk about is now that Josh isn't here, it's just you and me, Tom. <laughs> um, I can finally talk about Lucas Fabianski, and he oh, is yeah. the one player that I truly love for West Ham, and yeah. just a, a, a wonderful shot stopper. And I, I, I'm I'm only kind of looking at targets in the very short term, and it's Huddersfield for West Ham in game week 31. I know. I think Fabianski is probably one of the two frees that I'm going to take over the over the next weeks because I don't have a decent goalkeeper at the moment and he's sub 5 million. I think it's worth a try with him. Definitely. Um, I mean, you go it, for it. You go Issa, for it. Don't listen to Josh. Yeah, he, Don't listen to Josh. He's got this wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think, um, I think in Josh's it, defense, West Ham have conceded. I wanted to, I wanted a little quiz for you, Bratton. so West Ham mm, yeah. have conceded. Um, this is, this, this will be Josh's case, right? So the case for against Lucas Fabianski, they've conceded, or kept rather five clean sheets this season, West Ham, which is just pathetic. Um, yes. which is better than than just Fulham, who have two, but we won't focus on that. So if I was to That's ask fine. you, Brandon, which two yeah. Premier League teams other than West Ham have five clean sheets for the season so far? Which two would you would you guess? Oh, uh it's a good question. Is let's it, say you get three uh, guesses. You get three guesses to name these two teams. Okay, I think I was just looking up Leicester, and I think they have seven, so it's not them. Mm-hmm. Is it, um, I'm going to guess Bournemouth or Newcastle. Okay, so Bournemouth have got seven as well, so it's not them. They're terrible defense as well, but two better. Uh, <laughs> Newcastle have got nine, actually, which is higher than oh, I would guess. Okay. I guess maybe because their home form recently has been so so much better, but um, no. Okay, so... You, oh, okay, uh, Cardiff. Is it Cardiff? <laughs> it's not Cardiff. You're naming it. People <laughs> so I only guess I'm out yeah. of guesses. Uh, Cardiff also have seven, but it's actually, I mean, Huddersfield is one, one I think people would, okay, okay, would kind of accept that. So Huddersfield have got five clean sheets so far for the season. Arsenal is the other one. Couldn't believe that. Arsenal, Huddersfield and West Ham, five clean sheets for the for the campaign. But in the, the defense for Lucas Fabianski, so in spite of that, five clean sheets only yeah. for the season, he's still the fifth best goalkeeper in terms of points accrued in FPL yes. over the season. Yes. And that's ultimately the game we're playing. So he's doing yes. something right, you know? And at that price, yeah. 4.7 million, he's playing... Like we said, we mentioned the Cardiff game in 30, which is you know, a fine fixture. Um, but you've also got the fact that he's playing Huddersfield, who I think I'm right in saying they have not scored in 13. No, I think it's that they've scored th- in 13 games of their 29 so far this season. So if he can't keep a clean sheet in that game, then fine. <laughs> we'll, we'll revisit this topic. But no, I really like the pick. Right. He, would be my, yeah. uh, he would be my free hit goalkeeper choice, I think. I think I'd go that okay. far. <laughs> Fantastic. We we uh, further to defense. We had a question from FPL devotee who asked about the best sub four point five defender for game weeks thirty one and thirty three. I think the answer uh, is very simple here, and you hinted at it earlier, Tom. It's just a simple matter of find someone who is that price point who will play. Yeah. Beyond that, I don't care, and so, I, I just don't think it's going to be. You're looking at teams uh, who have that poor form, like Huddersfield and Fulham. Burnley, even though they have a really stout goalkeeper in Tom Heaton, uh, it, you're just not you're not going to plan to get a lot out of these guys. Yeah. Just make sure they start. That's so my what, only thing that I would say to that question. What do you think? What do you think, Brandon? We just mentioned about the West Ham defense: five clean sheets on the season, terrible, right? But Huddersfield yeah. are about as impotent as a team as you can imagine in the league. So, what do you think about Declan Rice, who's on the game as a 
defender. He's clearly playing in defensive central midfield. But I know they, they, the, the question was about sub 4.5 million. Let's allow the leeway of he is 4.5 million. What do you think about him as okay. a as a make weight for the for your your planning? You think there's a, a any yeah. any mileage there? Definitely, it's that you'd classify it in the punt column, mm. and uh, but it's it would be a fun punt, and yeah. he he is like uh, Eric Dyer was classed as a defender once upon yeah. a time, and he was a similar player in that he was classed as a defender, but he would play in that sort of defensive midfield role and often get forward, uh, or whether it's on set pieces or whether to play the ball into the attack yeah. through the midfield. So, you know, if, if you, if you felt good about bringing in Eric Dyer, I'd feel the same about Declan Rice. For sure. I mean, he's got those two 15 pointers, uh, game weeks, 22 and the one just gone 29. Um, you know, he does seem to seem to pop up occasionally with a chance and Snodgrass's delivery is, is, is great at set plays. And he seems to, seems to be a threat there. Like, I'm not saying it's guaranteed to haul you a load of attacking returns because he, he plays in front of the back four, but I do quite like the shout based pretty much only on the opposition of Huddersfield in 31 and like we say Cardiff in 30 so yeah a punt but I, I was interested to see how you felt about it because he's I haven't heard him sort of talked about at all in any FPL conversations I've seen yeah. uh, on the net I think yeah I think maybe a lot of people just don't even realize that he is classified as a defender and the yeah. golden FPL rule that uh J- Josh will often point out is yeah. if you and I think we learned this one from uh Peter Blake is if a player is playing farther forward than they're classed in FPL all the better like the closer they get to the goal as compared to their FPL position that that's great so yeah. rice is classified there let's quickly touch upon newcastle mm-hmm. um before we uh get to our lightning round but um I mentioned earlier that their defense is among my more preferred defenses looking at these short-term game weeks. Though Yedlin kind of on the outside looking oh, in yeah. and Shar, as you mentioned, uh, now one yellow away from suspension. Of course, you can roll out the whole narrative about Diego Costa and all the goals that he scored when he was one yellow away from suspension. Lascelles is emerging as one of the great uh, picks going into game week 31. Yeah. He is the most nailed defender for Newcastle. Mankio uh, will rotate with Yedlin. So now that he also has a terrible head injury, you do wonder if Yedlin will get a look in this yeah. weekend. It's it's uncertain. It's, it's really tricky because Newcastle's home form is um, the same in terms of win losses as Man City's and Arsenal's over the last four so they they all three of those teams have won the last four home games so they're in terrific form at home um Yedlin I just feel I just feel really unlucky that he's been he's been dropped and, yeah. and Mankio's come in uh Shah is you know that was a like I say a really poor transfer from me then I'm, I'm annoyed because I knew about the eight yellow cards which has now become nine and, and could easily become 10 before I want to field him in the game week 31 fixture um but I still do like the defensive um unit um, it's one of the things you guys yeah. are always cheating or sort of made me think differently as a manager when I, and I think it's because of your U S background and that you think about things of offense versus defense, right? That's not necessarily uh-huh. yeah. how we in, in the United Kingdom kind of sort of think about football. Um, and I, that made me think actually that's really important because Newcastle, for example, managed by 
great tactician in Rafael Benitez. He's not got the best defensive personnel there, but they're still effective. It does make a difference. And I think having a player or uh, two players even from this Newcastle uh, team for their upcoming run um, going into the 30 and 31 is is definitely recommended. Like the Everton home game, we just mentioned the great home form Newcastle have. To be fair to Everton, they have bounced back well. I think their 17-day break between uh, that led them into game week 28 has really seemed to affect them. They've got back-to-back clean sheets mm-hmm. now. Um, so I don't think it'll be an easy game for them there. And then they've got their, but it's still, you know, it's not a bad fixture. Um, they're not scoring a heap of goals at all. And then they're away at Bournemouth in 31. So definitely on board yeah. with the Newcastle defence. I think outside of Lascelles and uh, Lejeune, though, I think it's 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 got to be one of those two for me because I think there's too many question right. marks around um, around the others. And I find myself owning both of the ones which have the biggest question marks, which is uh, it's disappointing. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of interesting that Rondon has quickly fallen away from the conversation. Monado also on Twitter mentions Almiron, who uh, has looked really bright, but he's blanked three games in a row. He has. He's, he's new to the squad. I think he looks really bright. This is a situation like you have with Felipe Anderson, where if you have Almiron, if you have Rondon, you have to hold these guys For and sure. uh, ride them ride them through these blanks. And yeah, see what happens. It, it's interesting. So, I mean, the West Ham game was last on match of the day. Um, well, there wasn't a heap of highlights available, but he Almiron didn't feature at all. Like I made mention to the fact I re- review those shows, uh, I had to acknowledge the fact that he was his non-appearance, if you like, in the highlights because there was a bit of momentum building there. I saw his debut and thought he looked terrific. I thought um, I thought Burnley actually showed how to defend him quite well in that they defend quite deep, don't they, Burnley? So there was just no yeah. space in behind. And he is rapid, Almiron, but he just couldn't exploit that space because there was none. So maybe teams are already yeah. starting to work out that this guy is, is a threat on the counter, but if we set up in a way that doesn't allow them to to play like that, then he's actually going to be rendered pretty ineffective. It's a bit of a guess as a sample size of three, but um, yeah, signs weren't, weren't that encouraging for Almiron, I would say, based on the last two games. But like you say, if you've got yeah. him, you've got to hold him at this point, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I have a tricky question for you, Tom. Sure. FPL Llama writes in and says, this is a common problem. Lots of value built up in players who uh, you you would look to move out ahead of the blanks. We're talking about Wolves players like Jimenez and Doherty, Pogba and Rashford from Manchester United. We got these guys when they were bargain price. We've mm-hmm. accumulated accumulated a lot of value strategy. If we're looking at the whole free free hit uh, thirty two wild card thirty four says we're we're going to have to dump one two maybe three of these guys. Is that in, is that the definition of insanity? I, I I tend to think that I've built up enough team value that I can buy the guys that I want back. I think for Manchester United, Pogba and Rashford will actually be crucial, at least looking at game weeks 37 and 38, when it could be an absolute goal festival with Huddersfield and Cardiff and United still probably trying to solidify that top four status. And uh, Jimenez, as as I mentioned earlier, um, ascending to his own personal sainthood this season <laughs> in FPL. Um, do you have any guys in your squad that you're you're 
you're kind of hemming and hawing about, oh, do I really have to sell these guys for such a short span of time? Heaps. It's a real concern because um, I was fortunate enough to get on the bandwagon early with a lot of these guys. So bought Jimenez at 5.7. He's now 6.9 mil. So, you know, I'd get a selling value of 6.3 for him. Um, so I'd have to find 0.6 to rebuy him as kind of comparable for it's not quite as bad for Pogba it's 8.5 I bought him he's now at nine Rashford 7.0 and he's now at 7.7 so you just need to be mindful of this I would say the free hit bothers me less because obviously you're coming back to those players if you if you transfer transfer them out for that that period right I think I'm right in saying yes the wild card is like you say that's the the point where you need to be mindful of the fact that if you've got any intention of rebuying those players that you need to accommodate that you need to have that slush fund available either in the bank or in players that you're happy to sell down the road i'm trying not to get myself too fixated on it though brandon because mm-hmm. we've, we've got like say a lot of the players that we've talked about on this podcast over the last however however long they've been val- players of decent value like we mentioned lanzini we mentioned brooks the newcastle defense some of the leicester midfield etc these are teams that have prolonged set of great fixtures. So I don't see the money side of things going to be too difficult other than Chelsea. And we've talked a little bit about Chelsea having this uh, nice run, but they also got a series of doubles upcoming that I think we're going to be wanting yeah. to double up on two pretty expensive players in Higuain and Hazard. So that I think is going to be the problem. We know in FBL you can't have them all. But I would say just be mindful when, when you sell these players. Take a look on the yeah. list view on the website if you're using the desktop just to understand what the current price is and what your sale price is to make sure that you're not shooting yourself in the foot when you when you come to sell these guys. Right. All right, that's a perfect point for us to break, Tom. And we're going to come back and have the uh, classic always cheating lightning round and our Game Week 30 preview. Tom and I are going to talk about our bus teams, our captain options and transfer targets, etc. So we'll be back in a minute. All right, let's take a minute to talk about our friends at Starting Eleven, the live Premier League fantasy app that you can play for free or cash prizes. Starting Eleven is available now for your iPhone or Android device. Any day in which there are two or more Premier League matches, pick your best 11-man squad. No budgetary restrictions. Wait till those team sheets come out and adjust your uh, squad at that point. You also get three live in-game substitutions that you can make on the fly based on what you see going on on the pitch. Join thousands of players worldwide competing in the English Premier League contest for cash and for pride. Uh, On the iOS, on your iPhones, cash games are now live in the UK, US, Canada, and Germany. If you're on an Android device, you can play cash games uh, in the UK, uh, or just pick up the app and play for free wherever you are. Uh, Download the app today. Just visit Apple's App Store or the Google Play Store, or visit starting11.io for more details. Also, the uh, website starting11.io has helpful video tutorials and how you can get the most out of the app if you just want a sneak preview of what's involved it's really a beautiful interface once you load the app on your phone the the kits um, all uh, have a beautiful sheen to them nice flat color it's very appealing to the eye so uh, starting 11 the advice to you don't waste money gambling on things you don't understand 
But what I do understand is fantasy Premier League. So uh, we can participate in that game with, with some degree of confidence. So starting 11, check it out. Brandon, we're back and we are going to do the lightning round now. Now, I've been listening to Always Cheating for a number of years. And just to make sure I've got this this clear, the lightning round mm-hmm. is questions and you and I can't go more than 30 seconds with our answers. Like that's just the fact. It, it never deviates from that, does it? Yeah, that that's a good point, Tom. And I'd be afraid if this was the first episode in which we went longer than 30 seconds on one of our answers. Yeah. I wouldn't want you to to carry that weight around for the rest of your life. I mean, you would be blackballed from the always cheating community. Oh, I will do so let's, best, yeah. let's make a point to keep these under 30. Absolutely. Seconds. We will do that one. We'll, we'll, we'll do it in the right way. Okay. So uh, <laughs> the first question comes from uh, Zoltan Vargo and he um, is asking, who would you prioritize to get for game week 30 hazard for son or Higuain for Rashford? Who do you think? Uh, it's a it, it's a very good question. I think I like them both. Obviously, I do because I've brought them both in ahead yeah. of game week thirty. I, if I do give you a sneak preview of my bus team, I have the armband on Gonzalo Higuain. Wow. So I feel okay. like he's my guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is trying to read the the cosmic tea leaves, but Lukaku putting in the great performance that he did mm-hmm. against Southampton. And is he pushing Rashford a little out um, onto the wing um, if he gets to keep that spot and down uh, downgrading Rashford's FPL potential? It's really interesting you mentioned that, actually, because a friend of mine actually went to the game, uh, the Saints game up at Old Trafford, and I asked him about where Lukaku played in that one. And he said he mm-hmm. sort of started centrally, but he drifts out to the right as well, which is not where you right. kind of intuitively expect a guy of Lukaku stature to feature, but he's really yeah. effective there. Um, and Rashford yeah, he's kind of, put in some really nice crosses. He has, uh, yeah, it's weird. The, over the last season, yeah, from Definitely. the right. Mm-hmm. He's finding some form there. I just think it's quite telling that pretty much everyone has found renewed <laughs> sense of form under uh, yeah. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, other than Alexis Sanchez. I just think his his days are numbered. And like D- Dalot came on and played in midfield um, for Sanchez and looked better than him. This 19-year-old right back, Played in midfield yeah. when he came on, so I think his yeah. his days are, are numbered at United. But Lukaku looks great in terms of what it means for Rashford. Rashford was just unlucky not to score in that game. I'd still think he's he did have a few opportunities. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. The header that he put wide was the one he'll be most mm-hmm. up, upset about. But um, yeah, you know, I, I think Higuain or or Hazard are both great options here. I think. I'm intrigued about that captaincy choice, Brandon. That's a, that's a really interesting one because when yeah. we talk about yeah, yeah. Game Week 30, well, there's so many options. So that's uh, that's an exciting choice yeah. you've gone for. We have, uh, I think we have a couple of questions about Kane coming up and mm. we can lump Sun into those questions. Yeah. So let's let's put a pin in that conversation. Yeah, of course. The, I mean, actually, now. it goes on. So Carl at FPL Opinion um, has asked a bit of a two-pronged question here. Is Kane killing Spurs? Gosh, uh, uh, plus what to do with <laughs> what to do with son um yeah difficult one right it, it is i'm not sure that kane is actually killing spurs though spurs collectively may be killing themselves mm. they have looked poor uh have. ish i mean by relatively speaking yeah. i mean by their standards kane i don't think kane himself is killing the team i think he has looked decent since coming Golly. so yeah. quickly back from injury um, the the issue is just generally, if we have all these other options that we're talking about, I mean, even now that we're talking about Chelsea players and um, 
Spurs, we can even postpone that conversation because they do have the blanks coming up. So yeah. if you're going into chip theory, then you don't even have to worry about about Spurs. And That's maybe it. you can think about offloading them. If you don't have your chips, then I, I think you just have to move your thinking away from Spurs and toward Manchester City and still Liverpool. I think those are the teams that are putting up the best odds of FPL points. So I'm just I'm just kind of out on Spurs generally. I think I think you have to be, don't you? I think I mean Kane what what is he 12.4 million. You can't keep this guy yeah. out of the FPL headlines though. He's got what I think is 8, 1 and 7 points since his return from injury, right? But he's yeah, he's, he's yeah. kind of he makes all of the stories. He has the the penalty that he notches in the North London derby had that kind of ongoing battle with David Luiz. Looks sharp to me, looks fit. I think it's pretty harsh to say he's, he's the reason for Spurs' decline in form. I actually think that they might finally be seeing the results of some fatigue for, for Son, personally. I think yeah. I've been surprised how well he's managed to keep it together after all of that football he's played over the summer and then the yeah. beginning of the season when he had double international duty and what have you. So, with Spurs' fixtures of, you know, it's not a not a bad fixture, I guess, in 30 away at Southampton, although actually Saints were really good in that game against Man United, the aforementioned game against Man United. Were, yeah. um, mm-hmm. So I think that's a tough game um, away um, down at St. Mary's. Uh, then they've got a blank and then they're away at Liverpool. And then even the the game after, the Birmingham game, that could be a blank as well, depending on how the, the FA Cup plays out. Um, so... I think you're right, Brandon. You've got to you've got to stay away from Spurs, and I think you would be looking it's to move be, their, their assets out. The hard decision is going to be wild card in 34. Spurs have a home fixture against Huddersfield, and then Spurs tend to finish the season strong. They, they have West Ham, Bournemouth, and yeah. Everton. Harry Kane will be talked about again on this podcast. I guarantee it. As much as Phil Billing has been, I, I, that's the the barometer. Is, well, you know, <laughs> is the Phil Billing barometer. On the, if, if we go to the the <laughs> Phil Billing applause meter, uh, Kane Kane is still in the red zone. I yeah. Think. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Um, so next question. So Bryn Stewart um, asks: Should Rashford or um, Aubameyang be moved to fund Aguero or Kane? I found this a really interesting question actually when we were looking at this one because yeah I don't know what your what are your thoughts about uh, Aubameyang I know we just talked a little bit about about Kane yeah it uh, I I guess to be brief um, you know we're sticking to thirty seconds here right Tom <laughs> we to are, be brief yeah. I I think I'm, I'm I'm kind of done with Arsenal for the moment I still generally like Aubameyang as a player and I I don't think Arsenal are out of form no. per se I think they brought a, a really decent match to Spurs yeah, over they the did, weekend. Yeah. But there there is there's just some troubling rotation issues with the Europa campaign mm-hmm. that Emery is waging. And uh, you know, we you're talking about Aguero and then Kane as as alternates. There are great options that are coming to the fore that we should be talking about over Aubameyang, I think we can justify that. So yeah. in, uh, as far as OBS goes, uh, I that's a pass for me. We're He's, moving on. His minutes has really diminished, haven't they? I looked and it's in the last four. I know he had the injury, but you know, 15 minutes, 70 minutes, 34 minutes. It does feel like he's at the moment, he's playing second fiddle, fiddle to Lacazette. Um, and you, you'd understand to be looking to move away from him, I guess, if you're an owner and kind of surprising yeah. that people haven't already. But surely you'd be looking more at Higuain as as we've been talking about already rather than Aguero yeah. or, or Kane. 
It's an interesting uh, potential double for Arsenal in the game week 35 with Crystal Palace and Wolverhampton. Mm -hmm. So if that comes to be, you know, going back to what I was saying about wildcard in 34, you you know, that 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 could be a make or break decision, whether you decide to go Aguero, Kane, Aubameyang. Uh, but uh, I, I guess, yeah, again, let's table that for a okay, wild card. Talk. Cool. Um, so Ryan asks, uh, I need a third, I need a third st- attacker and Crystal Palace attack looks very, very good at the moment. So Zaha or Bashwai, I think it's a really interesting mm-hmm. question. They did look great against Burnley. I thought, I thought they looked, they looked like a really cohesive unit attacking wise. And Zaha, his goal to finish that, that oh, yeah. uh, wonderful performance, he just put the Burnley <laughs> defenders right on their butts. Yeah, was, a few times. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. I generally, like, I, I'm not ever sure how I feel about Zaha. There's just something about him that um, doesn't appeal to me. But, um, you know, some some theory that is talked about in FPL circles is about who is who's the talisman of yeah. the team. Batshuayi is new. He has something to prove. But Zaha is really the talisman of that team. And I think if Crystal Palace will be doing well, so will Zaha. The price difference isn't big, isn't big enough. It's like something in the realm wow. of 0.2 million between the two of them. So, yeah, I do favor Zaha here. What do you think? Um, so I, the annoying thing about it is that Zaha is now a forward. It's like if he was if he was a midfielder, it would be so much easier to advocate for him with the additional point for a clean sheet and for goals scored, etc. But the fact is they're both on uh, forward on the game, so there's nothing nothing to discern between them in in that respect. I loved how Batshuayi scored that goal against Burnley on the weekend. That first time mm-hmm. finish um, it was kind of instinctive, and I think that that bodes well. Um, but like you say, Zaha is is the talisman. He's more likely, I think, to to win penalties, etc. I thought he had a really good um, understanding down either flank, actually, with Juan Bissaka coming uh, back into the team. That seems to work so much better. I think he's yeah. a class act. Yeah. Jeff Schlupp playing ahead of Patrick Van Arnholt on the left as well. That's really um, dynamic as well, the two of those those players in, um, interchanging as well. So I think I probably favor Zaha if you can, if you can afford that point two difference, which you, you know, you should be able to do, but I quite like both picks to be honest. They've got um, decent fixture in third. Double palace. I love this. Yeah. I mean, either one, I don't, I don't know. I'd advocate for the double, but Brighton, <laughs> no, okay. Brighton at home in 30. I'm trying to stir up some controversy <laughs> here. Tom. Well, do you know what? Then go for it. I'm all in. Let's do it. I think, <laughs> I think, uh, sorry, sorry. What, what, what was, what was the actual point you were um, going to make though? I've forgotten. No, I think it was uh, Br- Brighton at home in 30 is a, is a really good fixture. Brighton are in pretty wretched form. I know they scraped their one nil victory against Huddersfield, but they're not playing very well at the moment, especially away from home. They do them blank yeah. in uh, 31. So you'd need to be mindful of that. Then they've got the Huddersfield home game in, in 32. Um, and then they're scheduled to play Newcastle in 33. So it's a nice run uh, for them, but you do need to be mindful that them, they wouldn't have a fixture in, in 31, both, both fine picks. I'd say I really like them as, differential punts okay perfect 29 seconds right under the uh, right under the marker Phew, that one that one was close um, <laughs> it was close yeah. yeah what's next so um i think we've kind of probably covered this a bit already so martin asks um i need a replacement for jota at a similar price who uh-huh. would you recommend so i think i've already said i really like uh, david brooks um and lanzini yes. were the two yeah. in that camp but is there anyone else that you, you'd be looking at 
Well, I mentioned him last week just from um, an affordability standpoint is Isaac Hayden on Newcastle. Mm-hmm. 4.3, he seems to have locked his starting role down and he he has some goal involvement for Newcastle over the last month. So if you're looking to play the blanks and say you even have you, – you, you need to free up a million to move elsewhere, I think Isaac Hayden is an interesting one. Burnley, uh, you know, this is the bottom of the barrel, but um, <laughs> Westwood's assist to Ashley Barnes I thought was really wonderful. Yeah. Uh, you know, a, a, a TAA level cross into the box. Uh, or I, maybe I should describe him more as a, a Mark Albrighton type of a player, Ashley Westwood. I'm a secret um, did fan. Did the two of them play together on Aston Villa? I'm a secret fan of Ashley Westwood. I think he's really underrated. Yeah, yeah. He'd, um, he always yeah. looks quite creative. I think in a in a more uh, progressive team, he he maybe would look look a little bit more effective. But no, I like I like the Westwood shout. Hayden, I think, has got um, is a more solid shout this week than it was last week because Longstaff has now picked up an injury. So there are a few central yeah. midfielders in the Newcastle uh, setup who could come in and threaten that, like uh, Shelby's back in contention, etc. So uh, you know, there's always that yeah. doubt, and we've mentioned before, like you want your players to be in inverted commas, assured of playing. But um, yeah, I think exactly. Hayden's more more likely to have that spot now that Longstaff's picked up a untimely injury. But yeah, no, I like that. And like I say, um, Brooks yeah. and um, Lanzini as well, I'd say to Martin. So yeah, that would be that. If, if there's any report that Callum Wilson will get back mm. uh, for uh, game week 31, that would make the Brooks oh, yeah, pick so much even better. more appealing yeah. to me. I think uh, Bournemouth are just lacking some... Um, attacking impetus. Well, right well I think it's. I think that's a fair point because they did. They didn't manage a shot, did they, against Man City in the whole match? Which is, you know, they, they were the first home <laughs> team to not register a single shot all season. Yeah. I mean, I did think they acquitted themselves really well against Manchester City. Nathan Ake, who, yeah, um, for a lot of this season, I think he's been a bit of a joke. Um, <laughs> played. He he was imperious yeah. in that match. I thought he was outstanding. I'm, I'm so, kind of annoyed. Um, it's just good to see. because. Yeah, go I've, on. You guys have made me like laugh hysterically about when you criticise the Bournemouth defence as much as you have done. Like mm-hmm. I've, I've fallen about laughing about it, and it's perfectly apt. But they actually <laughs> defended really well in the game week that I've come on yeah. to talk about. So I'm really annoyed about yeah. that. But um, no, I, I hear. You. I think they kind of <laughs> with a with a real with a yeah. Go on. Well, I was saying that they kind of had to because they were decimated weren't they uh in the game before um away at arsenal and i think it was away at arsenal and yeah and then they had a makeshift some sort of makeshift back line that no one really knew what to make heads or tails of but yeah some, somehow they made it, it work. they made it work that's right they're you know, good on them they, they managed to get it done so but no from an attacking perspective i definitely agree you'd want um wilson to be available for sure to make the brooks uh include uh pick a little bit more exciting perhaps then in fairness to brooks it was his first game back Defo. against manchester yeah. city not the best attacking fixtures so no. the eye test may be a little deceiving yeah that's and he's just come back so. from injury hasn't he so yeah, yeah. you know and he'll have the game 30 game to you know hopefully get, get himself a little bit um up, up yeah, to shape yeah. so last question is exactly. um, aj on the, the slack channel which you get access to if you're a patron um Pledger. So he's asked a bit of an interesting question. He says, what is your go-to route for casual clothing? He says, I'm pegging Brandon as an urban outfitters guy who would like to buy more from okay. thrift stores, but just never really likes what he sees. Tom, on the other hand, more of a top Manzara guy who doesn't like to admit 90% of his best finds over the last 15 years have come from H&M. 
So, uh, what, what is very, your? That's very specific. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, it is very specific from AJ. I feel like AJ maybe knows us better than we think he does. Um, and it's it's funny how uh, AJ mentions the thrift store shopping and not really finding anything that's appealing. When Josh and I were in London in October, we were we went to the Camden Market. Josh was in the I market love it. for yeah, a, yeah. a barber jacket, uh, which. Um, I'm sure he's mentioned once or twice on the podcast. It may have come up, and, yeah. yeah. we looked at so many um, little thrift stalls, and I didn't really find anything that appealed <laughs> there to goes. me. So that, he's right. that is spot on. Though Urban Outfitters, uh, I will uh, – I no, I will not buy anything. <laughs> Urban Out – maybe AJ thinks I'm like 10 years younger than I, than I actually am, but I know my size at J. Crew, and I pretty much just – um, replenish my supply of merino wool sweaters and socks from J. Crew on a six-month ba- basis. Fair enough. I, and from from my side, top man's out. Um, but the, the, basically, I struggle to buy clothing because I'm just too damn tall. So I'm as the same height as <laughs> you are a tall P- man. Tom. As, as Cr- I met Crouch, you there, of course, you've met me. Same, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, I'm the same height as uh, the, as Peter Crouch. So I I sort of have tend to buy all of my stuff online so that I can you know go to their freak sections and and pick out clothing from from that um but yeah it's it buying... is the tall it's the tall stature befitting a mayor uh so I, <laughs> yeah I this monica I, i'm not sure if it's gonna land but I, it's, it's i'm very touched but uh <laughs> we're yeah, trying we'll we're trying to trying. make it land huh? so I, I think i think brandon i'm right in saying that all of those questions were done in under 30 seconds so job well Perfect. done by yeah. both of us should we have a quick break and then come back and do a game week 30 preview yeah, let's do it. And then we're going to talk about bus teams, captains, and transfers for Game Week 30. Excellent. All right, Tom, we're back. Uh, game Week 30. It's it's kind of going to be a lost Game Week because as we've done for the last hour or so, we're only really talking about Game Weeks 31 and beyond at this point. So let it not be forgotten. Let's take a look at our bus team. So my uh, Game Week 30 squad, as I mentioned, I... I just had this feeling. I put the armband on Higuain. I think um, because it's a home match, Stanford Bridge, um, not going to be an easy place for Wolves to go. Uh, ruddy in goal? What's going on there? Uh, <laughs> yeah. So uh, uh, that actually leads me to the transfer that I'm planning to make. I will not have a playing goalkeeper in the blanks because I have Matt Ryan and Patricio. Patricio I've been looking to get rid of um, – uh, for a while now so I think as I mentioned earlier it's Fabianski out and then I can um, play Fabianski away in that Cardiff fixture Fabianski but, in um, Fabianski in Patricio yeah. out yeah you They're got it him yes, so far. Yes. <laughs> no I thought the Patricio must have been a nightmare yeah I, I feel sorry for you guys yeah. Yeah. I've not been able to get that rotation no. right at all particularly with Ryan and Patricio, I feel very blessed that I got the nine pointer for Matt Ryan this week. So, so that part is working. So vice captaincy is on Mo Salah captaincy on Higuain. I'm just feeling this Mm. Chelsea Wolves match. Maybe I could be talked into uh, moving the armband to Hazard, but I think I just have too many emotional feelings wrapped up in that. I understand that. Your your eyebrow kind of raised when I initially mentioned armband on Higuain. What do you think about that? So it's it's not so much about the the choice of Higuain being captain. It's more the fact that I see the that Man City game against Watford at home and Liverpool yes. playing yeah. um, Burnley at home with the two sides you know competing for the league. 
I, I'm yeah. just going to struggle not to captain from from uh, those one of those two fixtures. Well, so, so talk to me about your Manchester City assets because I've sold all of mine. So <laughs> I, I I think I I think I do agree. It's sort of out of sight, out of out of oh, mind. I, I didn't even yeah. consider City Watford. And that's, I don't have a player there. And that's right now, like probably why I haven't considered Chelsea because I don't own any own any Chelsea. So um, one of my uh, sort of rules, loosely adhered to rules of this season, was to try and have at least two Man City players in my squad at any one side at any one uh, time rather so mm-hmm. and I've you know I've been pretty much I've upheld that throughout the season so right now I've got Edison as I mentioned in goal um not going to be captaining him but I've also got Sergio Aguero so you know they've got a week off now uh they do have the Champions League following the Watford game so you know there may be a bit of a temptation not to play him or or, or what have you so but right now the captaincy is on Aguero uh, vice captaincy mm-hmm. on on Mo Salah I would go through my team, but it's going to change by at least one, probably two. As I say, I've got these two free transfers and haven't got a whole bunch of time yeah. before 31. Son's in my team right now, but I can't see how he survives for yeah. um, for game week 30. And it's going to be quite an uh, important route in terms of which direction I go down for his replacement because I could go for somebody like a Harvey Barnes or James Madison or one of the guys we talked about in the cheaper bracket. Or yeah. what I could try and do is actually make some money elsewhere by selling someone like uh, Marcus Rashford or Paul Pogba um, to free up more money, which would enable the hazard coming in. So there's two yeah. different routes I can go down. I'm trying not to think too much about it yet because a lot can change in a week. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I do see Son, sadly, uh, vacating the, the premises pretty soon. You know, I think he needs I'm to. I'm really curious about this Arsenal-Manchester United fixture. Um mm-hmm particularly as a Pogba and Rashford owner, I could see it as a match where um, Manchester United just come in and, uh, I don't know, do their thing. They're in such great form right now. And the expression on Pogba's face at the end of that Southampton match where he knew um, everyone else was getting the accolades and he was um, not on the score sheet and will be remembered for missing that penalty, not just among FPL managers. You just get this like, weird feeling that he's going to come back and try and make a point. And if you want to make a point, Tom, Mm. uh, let me point you toward Mustafi. He's a wonderful man (laughs) who will gladly trip and step aside if you want to make a point um, about your own uh, performance. So uh, I don't know that I have the courage to, you know, put the armband on Pogba, but I I just – I'm thinking about that. Yeah, it's it's going to be really tough to, to sell Man United players right now. They're playing they're playing really well as an attacking unit, aren't they? As well, and the Arsenal defence, yeah. as we mentioned before, was it five clean sheets for the season? Yeah, it's going yeah. to be difficult. So, so yeah, we'll see. We'll see what direction I go in. I actually, you know, was looking at the fixtures for game week thirty, and I think that Arsenal versus Man United one, I think, is a great game in prospect. I'm really looking forward to it. But from an FPL perspective, it's probably the hardest one to call. I would say of, of all of yeah. them. Um, so if you've got your attacking assets from either team, definitely play them, I would say, because uh, yeah. you'd expect there to be goals um, in that one for sure. Well, I wish you luck in your decisions, Tom. Oh, I, as as yeah. Josh will mention, having two free transfers, it's it's a little bit like 2-0 being the most dangerous scoreline. <laughs> Sometimes the options are too many and you can yeah. talk yourselves into into some strange choices. You you can and and I have you know <laughs> uh, previously many times but um, we'll we'll see how it goes. I'm going to need to use them because you know for 31 there's there's some remedial work that needs to be done. But yeah. um, we'll yeah. see. 
All right, fantastic. Tom, that will be the end of this episode of Always Cheating, but I have to thank you for coming and being a fantastic guest host for us. Come back again soon, won't you? My absolute pleasure, anytime. Um, although, you know, I so like, uh, like much like listening to you both that, you know, hopefully it's not too yeah. frequently I'm, I'm needed to, to step in. But no, I've really enjoyed it and hopefully the listeners have too. All right, I'm going to do the sign-off here. Uh, if you want to become a patron and, and support the pod, go to patreon.com slash alwayscheating. Tom, you have such a wonderful composed voice. It would be an honor to me and all of our producers if you would read off their names. Would you be so kind? I'll give it a go. Um, gosh, I hear these every week, so let's, let's give it a go. So many thanks to the following. So Mike DiPietro, Stephen Toomey, Sam, Sam Street, Jacob Roberts, Carl Rasmus, Leanne Grayley, uh, Chris Howell, Rafai Khan, Martin Savage, Rick Brailsford, Jim Payne, Adam Benjamin, Max Chamberlain, Brian T, Trevor Ingerson, Chris Carter, The Big Gaffer, Danny Evans, Babus Kuhn, Tor Furland, The Talented Mr. Husby, Ben Grant, James Holland, and Matt Ritter. Thank you very much for being producers. <laughs> I couldn't help but notice the deep breath that you had to take halfway through. I mean, it, that's a that's a legitimate list. Uh, it's a lot uh, of it's a lot of names. Yeah, it's a lot of names and good. It's on a the lot world. of love, is what it is. So yeah, that, uh, can, thanks well, to everyone there. I can well understand that. Hopefully, a lot more listeners join the fun because it's it's worth doing. Yeah. All right, subscribe to Always Cheating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Acast, wherever it is that you get your podcast. If you'd be so kind, you can give us a five star review uh, or follow us on Twitter at Hell Cheaters, Instagram at Hell Cheaters, Facebook.com slash Always Cheating. Or if you have a lengthy message that you want to get to me or Josh or Tom for that matter, just send it to us at ha- uh, Hail Cheaters at gmail.com. For all this information and more, you can find us at alwayscheating.com. And don't forget, give Tom a follow for his match of the day updates and just general uh, Premier League wisdom and knowledge at UtterlyTC. Tom, once again, thank you very much. And uh, do you have do you have any always cheating talisman that you need to hail here at the end of the episode? I, I, it wouldn't be an episode of Always Cheating if I didn't sign off by saying, Hail Lord Sorloff. Excellent. Poku forever. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.